If you are a scout or coach looking to find or help players, then Pitch is the website for you. It's a startup, but the idea is to complement the scout's role in finding talent, especially in lower leagues. Pitch is likely to arrange trial days in the future, so a scout might be very interested to make a profile. For a coach, it's about the onward development and mental health of released players, helping them find a team or club and provide a talent ID and development reference on Pitch. So make a profile today at www.pitchrmt.com. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Coaches Coffee Club podcast. I'm joined with Matt Craddock once again. Hello, Matt. Hello, mate. How are you? Very well. And yourself? Yeah, very well. Thank you. Um, as we said, we're going to be somewhat regular this year. So hence why we're back two weeks after our previous episode. But um, before we get into a few topics and questions, what have you been up to, mate? Um, well, obviously it's been a little bit different, hasn't it, with lockdown. So we've been um, working still. We've got the girls working from home, my wife working from home. So it's a bit of a balance at the moment. So work-wise, everything's still going on as normal. Um, I mentioned on the podcast last week, I was trying to pull my sort of philosophy and thoughts together. So I started that off because I thought you might ask me about it today. So I panicked to make sure I actually did, did something. <laughs> uh, and today I've been painting. So the, uh, the house decoration continues, the saga. So, yeah. Very been, nice. Uh, Very nice. Go on, then. What, about, what about you, mate? Go, Come on. Well, be, well be, before we get onto that, go on, give us an update with your philosophy. Where are you at? What, 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 what's come to the front of your mind in the last week or two? Well, I mentioned it was going to be a document that I was going to pull together. And the document was for like a bit of clarity on my own thoughts and also a document to use as well. So what I've done so far, I've pulled together sort of my, my values, what I believe in and what I'm trying to develop, as in what type of players I'm trying to develop. And then I've put down my thoughts around playing, um, playing style and playing philosophy as well. Principles really, rather than specifics. But that's the start of it so far. I've, I've, uh, Actually, when you sit down and think about it, there's so many aspects to it that actually the document, I fear, if you if you ran away with it, the document could be massive. You know, it could be hundreds of pages and probably maybe you need to have a hundred hundred odd pages, but then I think to, as a working document, you need to trim it down. So um, I think at the moment, I'm just going to put it all into one document and then trim afterwards. So and that's where that- I'm up to. Is that you as as the coach? I know you're coach developer at the minute, but is that you coaching wise? Yeah, as a, as a coach, yeah, as a coach. It's just about knowing yourself. So I'm I'm trying to make sure I'm a bit have a bit of clarity over my thoughts, really. How um how much has that changed since say um, five or six years ago, or even when you started coaching? Is is there anything that you're thinking is is massively? I heard something the other day where someone said if you don't look back at the work you used to do or things you put together a few years back and cringe, then you've not developed enough. Is that something that you're finding going through your philosophy again? Or Yeah, it is actually. I, I actually had a document similar that I did before I left the FA. Um, I think, and yeah, I wouldn't say cringe, but I would say, I'm, <laughs> I've, I would say what I've put together is probably more advanced than what I had put together. But I wouldn't have said cringe. 
no so to speak yeah no that was that was the word i heard mind you when i look back at some of the very first coaching sessions i delivered i definitely cringe at them yeah well actually (laughs) i I told you about my first the first time i got filmed i think was for a youth award uh qualification and i remember afterwards the coach he's a real real good guy as well but um, i had quite a good relationship with him so he was fairly honest slash brutal and I just said to him oh have you got any feedback and he said for what I said well the coaching said you didn't do any I said oh (laughs) and I remember watching the video back and I genuinely just I didn't do anything I just sort of (laughs) wandered around talking to people and and got people around the tactics board you know like you know when you know when you went on those youth awards and it completely like changed your way of thinking and you just went from (laughs) one extreme to the other and you didn't you didn't really pick up on the fact that you just have to be somewhere in the middle. I just got, Basically, right, I need, just to go, did, I need to go there. So I went straight there. show and tell for your <laughs> yeah. And we just, it was like a story time around a tactics board, you know. Uh, so, yeah, so that oh. actually is something I would cringe at. I can, I can see it now. I remember watching it. Well, actually, when we were putting stuff, moving boxes, I remember seeing it and I watched it and it, it, that actually was a cringe moment. It was horrible, <laughs> horrible. But yeah, oh, I definitely, brilliant. I definitely think there's some advancements um, on what what I had done, and I think also I've probably gone more of principles, mm. whereas before I think I was quite, I was probably being too specific around you know formations and particular ways of doing things, and I think once you know once you're in, once I've been in a club and you see the game more often and more regularly I think you become more understanding actually it's principles we need to have principles because the, the players you're playing against are, are very good and they're coached well so they can you know adapt and change the way that they're playing so if you have a very rigid approach that can soon go out the window so I think I've, I've probably come sort of full circle around back to having real clear principles and then within that framework or principles, there's many ways of playing like that. So, for example, you could say, you know, we, we like to play out with variety and there's a, there's a million ways in which you can do that, you know. So I think, I think principles is probably one of the, you know, things that have jumped out. And that's also principles about my principles as a person, as a coach, you know, my principles of, of a coaching session. So what do I want the coaching session to look like? And you'd have some guiding principles and once you have all those things, it makes probably planning and doing a little bit easier. That's probably mm. been my learning. Yeah, I think that that comes with the experiences you've had since the last time you kind of put pen to paper, I guess. Like you've, yeah. you've been involved in the game in different roles since and seen more. And also the game's changed, hasn't it? Since I guess you well, yeah. wrote it previously. Very much so. Yeah, and, and I keeps, I was... keeps doing that. And that's that's probably why principles are probably even more important because, you know, it will change again. And if we're too rigid now, we'll be we'll be out of date in 18 months' time when the game changes again. Yeah, I think if I were to put put my philosophy or, or preferences down on paper now, I think they'd be different to even three or four years ago just because I've now, I'd only ever been at one club and now yeah. I've got another yeah. club and a whole new experiences, way of doing things, opinions, other coaches, just with a different background and, and experiences there. So that's definitely 
something that I think I need to do similar to you in the near future because you just you just picking bits that you really like or some things you've yeah. never even considered. I think there's a really good good process to go through. Um, how, how do you go through that process then? I guess if any coach wants to do that, what what have you followed or have you just just like well vom- vomited I- all the stuff in your head onto the <laughs> onto the page? I think I think so, um, Paul Holder when he was at the FA. I think he's now at. Is he back at the FA now? You you went from the FA to I think Brighton, and then I think Brighton he's back at the bit, FA. Yeah. yeah, I think he's back there. He he was really really good, and he was talking about he talked about being a magpie and collecting things all the time. And he said, you know, you you collect things and then you adapt things and then you create things. So I would say if you're doing it for for the first time, I would say go out and have a look at what other people have done, and collect theirs and and adapt it to suit you but the way i've sort of started with i started with myself so like what do i so who am i and then how do i what what do i do and how do i do it i think that's probably a good start so what am i like what are my beliefs what do i believe in and then what do what am i trying to develop i.e what type of players am i trying to develop or what type of coaches am i trying to develop and then it might be around a bit about about what what my what do what do my coaching sessions look like? So you just almost it's almost like a little little bio of you as a as a person mm-hmm. and as a coach. You know what does so if somebody looked at that they could go well you know Matt believes in this and I can almost picture what his sessions look like you know and how he is in the training ground or how he is on the on the pitch and you know I think that's a good start to do and then I think that has to come before you do the playing bit because that's the playing and the coaching is a reflection of you. And if you're not clear on what, you know, what, who you are and what you believe in, then the coaching and the practices won't reflect you as a person. And that's when you get a little bit of disjoint. Yeah. 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 Well, probably a, a conversation we can pick up later in the podcast or go a bit deeper into, but one hmm. thing that will be a good discussion to hear your thoughts on are around personal philosophy or beliefs or, um, preferences and if you are working within a club club philosophy and preferences and stuff and the importance mm. of either being able to park yours because you're working for an organization or finding play it's really difficult isn't it because yeah. there might be just different things that like, you might want in an ideal world if you had 100 percent ownership of a team or whatever you might yeah. want to do your coaching session one way or you might want to play a certain way, but then also, I guess, as youth coaches or working within a, a club, sometimes you have to you have to remember that you're working for somebody and maybe your yeah. own preferences. Now, hopefully, I guess, if you are coming up with your own philosophy and style and et cetera, a lot of the core principles of developing people and wanting to yeah. play out from the back or through the third, however you did, they might line up, but... I guess yeah. that that could be interesting to to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, I think I think um, I think alignment is key, isn't it? I think as long as as long as there's something that doesn't go against your personal values, then I do think it's you know you can you can think differently, but it's like anything. Whatever job you do, you know you have to you are representing the organisation, aren't you? So like you have to present that information in the way that that organization mm. wants you to do that and i but think also you that, might, to... that might stimulate you to to open up and think differently as well yeah like i say i've joined a new club 
and I may never have thought of one thing that they do or and then yeah. I thought no I this is my belief I only do this but again it's that old cliche of I only know what I've always done yeah. or I do this I, because I, I've always done it and then it's like oh hold on actually now that I think about it maybe that's something that I'd like to explore more or oh, I'm going to steal yeah, that I, now I, and I'm going to toss um, this aside I've definitely changed the way I look at the game out of possession since since coming into the club because it was it was different to how I've always done things. So that was really like that that had that, you know, the first sort of twelve months, you have that really uncomfortable feeling where you're not quite sure mm-hmm. of yourself. You know, like you know, when you do something in a particular way and you're really confident in it, and whatever situation you're in, you know what to do and what it should look like. And then when that thing changes and actually you're looking for something different. It's like it's it's like learning all over again, isn't it? So yeah, when you, when things you start are organized, to doubt yourself a little bit. Yeah, definitely. And when yeah. things are organized and set, you know exactly what you know. You get to understand who should be where and how they do it. But then in the game, when it's going a hundred million miles an hour, and it's messy and unorganized, and you know it's, it's then going, oh, does he? Is he supposed to go yeah, there? Yeah. Should he go there? And I think probably a twelve-month period where it was you know really uncomfortable and bit messy you know in your head i think that was quite a good good process though to go through yeah that's that's the whole that's the whole comfort zone thing isn't it i think Mm. i i loved my previous club and the roles i was doing there and really proud to have worked my way through some different roles in that club but to then go to a new club and be out your comfort zone actually it's it might have put me a few steps back in whether it's challenging what i think i know or maybe how good I thought I was mm. maybe now do you know all, all these things go through your head but definitely better for it and I, I think yeah. I think that's massive by the way can can you hear my dog snoring in the background is that or? I thought I actually thought there was a motorbike going past <laughs> no, so, sorry that's Nelson he he's asleep and it's going mental so <laughs> I, I don't really know what to do I apologize if we're listening but hopefully you'll you'll sure sure we'll wake up soon but yeah now you pointed it out i won't be able to hear anything but that (laughs) it's got a good rhythm to him to be fair (laughs) oh brilliant now it'll be interesting to see that document as and when is it something you plan to finish was it just going to be continuing as you go through your coaching and well yeah i think i think you'll always adapt and change and you know update but but there'll be a point where i'm i'm happy with it and that's you know that's my document and you know yeah I've I've shown you a little bits of it, and I think I'll I'll just keep sharing it. I'll keep sharing it as I go because it's good to be checked and challenged, isn't it? And you know, I think it's just a just think it's a good good process to go through. Yeah, it has yeah. been has been for me anyway. Excellent. No, yeah. good stuff, mate. Enjoyed that. We'll um we'll we'll definitely dig deeper into that as it grows. Yeah. Um, should we uh should we do a few questions? Yeah. Do you want to start on the um? the blog that you popped out yes yeah so where was the question that we had recently last week or in the last episode we discussed a little bit about um setting challenges and how to stretch or so increase or even decrease the challenge for for our players and as we're developing them and we we put our put a little bit of a piece together which builds on that and the analogy we used was around um sort of sinking or swimming or staying afloat deep water shallow water and how we can can challenge our players that way um and one of the questions that linked off the back of that 
Um, just trying to find it now. I've got it here, mate. It was from uh, Simon Millington. So Simon, I used to work with. He's a, a really good lad. He's now a mental health tutor as well and, and a coach educator. So he, you can see where this sort of, you know, his thinking is because it comes from sort of a psychological corner. Um, but he was talking about all the challenges that you mentioned, you know, about stretching players, etc. Are they co-created with the player? Or are they just what the coach believes the player needs? And is there value in working with the player to help them take responsibility for designing and applying um, the appropriate challenge point for themselves? So what's your, go on, what's your thoughts? Yeah, we, we, we were discussing this briefly before, before we hit record. And I think there definitely needs to be interaction, involvement or, or sort of co-creating as he used with the with the players at times um i think like again i'm gonna steal your your words here matt if we tell a player yeah if we tell a player that we are going to do this this and this as a challenge or as a speed bump as you call it or however uh, something which is going to cause stress or difficulty for them there's certain challenges that if we prepare them for it by telling them it loses the effect. So for example, yeah. if we if we say to a player, right, we're going to work on your emotional control and I'm not going to give any free kicks against you tonight. Well, then when that happens and we don't give any free kicks, the player would, could possibly just think, well, well, I ain't going to get any free kicks anyway. Like this is, I know why he's doing it. He's not doing it because he's unfair. He's just, just a little idea he's come up with whereas if we purposely don't tell them and then on that night we just start acting as a quote-unquote bad referee and don't give them any free kicks hopefully that will um, initiate the emotional response that they get on a game day so they're having to to fight and, and struggle and find it difficult and it might be unfair and there's all these feelings of of sort of um, challenge that they're finding difficult the key to um the next, I'd say the key to that though, for us as coaches is the, the aftermath. So yeah. like having the conversation with the player, it might be, do you, do you notice tonight I, I was purposely a little bit harsh on you? Why might I have done that? Okay, well, how did you feel? What do you think we could do next time? And, and supporting yeah. them. And do you know what, yeah. actually, if it happens, have a think about doing this or is there any way that in a match day I could help you stay on task if you find your emotions running away from you? So maybe not, so again, it depends on the task. Now there yeah. might be some tasks where you have to tee them up. I might say, Matt, um, I'm going to play you in this next practice, Matt. I mean, you're going to be in this area of the pitch against three opposition. And that's going to be really tough for you. But the reason why we're going to do it is because it gives you a chance to work on your ball protection and mm-hmm. yeah. receiving under pressure. Okay. So he might now, Matt can go in there. He knows what the challenge is. He can, he can get the bit between his teeth and have a right good go at it. So certain challenges will it would work by involving the player in, in advance. I think other yeah. challenges, it might take the shine off it a little bit if you, if you prep them for it. Yeah. The main thing is, is what happens after. So the reflection, the support we're their crutch or we're there to just give them a pat on the back and say, do you know what? I purposely put you under lots of stress tonight and you didn't lose your call once or the one time you did look like you were going to lose your call, you quickly switch back on. That was brilliant. So our job then is sort of, the bubble wrap around it, isn't it? Just to make yeah, sure yeah. that there's no lasting damage or, or any negative effects longer term. Um, yeah. So, yeah, again, sometimes there'll be players that absolutely want the challenge and will ask you or suggest to you 
ways to make their life really, really difficult, especially if you're working in academy football where, well, players anywhere are competitive, mm-hmm. but academy footballers, especially at 12 to 16, very, very competitive, not only against one another, but on themselves. So they will often ask or suggest or thrive on difficulty, won't they? So yeah. there's definitely benefits there. Um, I just think it's having that little thought around if I if I team them up early, is it going to lose or is it going to add to the challenge? And, and yeah. same with the, the sort of the decrease in the challenge. Sometimes if you just make it way too easy straight away and you don't say anything to them, they'll be like, what's this? This is, this is not stimulating for me or whatever. So yeah. again, I think, yeah. I think it's just weighing up. The, the most important thing with any challenge though, I think is like what happens next and our role in make for like helping the kids reflect or mm-hmm. supporting them when they do get it wrong or, making them realise the things that they've done really well and, and sort of um, tying it all together. So it's, look, you know, tonight when you did this, this and this, that's really good. And you must remember that because in the future, you'll you'll maybe when you make your first team debut, like you said last time, and you don't get on, it's yeah. really important that you react the way you have now and you've got this, this understanding and these tools in your locker. Otherwise, yeah. it can just be a lost opportunity for learning, can't it? So Yeah, definitely. I think there's definitely definitely ways and means to do it. Um, what what you you think differently to that? Or no, no, I think I think the same. I think I mean I think there's probably two questions there because should should a player be involved in their development plan? Yes, hundred percent. They should be involved in creating it, uh, you know, completing it, reviewing it, adapting it. Hundred percent, they should be. But like you said, there's also times where we are trying to develop certain skills that it would hinder telling them and giving them a little bit of warning. So like, you know, like you said, a speed bump, you know, it's the whole point is if it's about emotional control or resilience or, you know, et cetera, et cetera, us telling them and going, Oh, listen, don't worry, but I'm going to leave you out of the squad this weekend, you know, and this is why I'm doing it. Well, that's not helped them, you know, cause they're not, they're not having to use resilience. They're not, you know, losing their losing their head and losing their emotions, and and then having to get it back again. So I think there's definite times where where you would tell them, you know, and there's definite times where you wouldn't. I would say like, you know, we you look at like reducing the challenge for players. Let's say you have a striker who's one of your better players. If you always put him in tough situations. He may never get opportunities to uh, practice his finishing, you know. So you talk about games programs where, you know, we have a mixed uh, variety of games. Well, if if a striker's game program is always top, top, top of his stretch zone, then he's probably going to have limited experience of finishing. So actually, you might want to reduce his challenge so that he gets more opportunities to finish. And that might be, right, this weekend you're going to play in this game and this is why we're doing it. And what I want you to focus on is shots on target, getting shots off, high shots on shots on targets to shot ratio, for example. Whereas if you're, you know, playing them in a in that game to see how he deals with his leadership, you know, you might want to tell him, you might not want to tell them. So I, I, I do. I, I think there's, you know, should they be involved in the development plan? Yeah, hundred percent they should because it's theirs. They should own it. They should lead it. But you also have to support them and stretch them and 
um, give them recall speed bumps and they have to come up, you know, sometimes without warning so that they get pushed straight out into the panic zone and, and they've got to experience that. And like you said, the key is us parents, coaching staff are all there and the environment's set properly so that they feel comfortable to be in that panic zone for a brief period of time. And then we're there to reflect on it. And it might not be immediately either. You know, you mentioned that we might talk after training, but it might not be then. It might be that, you know, in training, you know, for example, it could be a game going on. I've, I've had this example recently. And, and you give a decision, the players are moaning. And while they're moaning, the other team go down the other end and score. You know, you might not pick it up there and then, but that might be a lesson you know, whereas it might happen again in training or it might happen on a, on a game day and you go, that's the point I'm going to bring it in because, listen, you remember that in training? What if we do that today? You know, or we got lucky there. What if it happens again? We're giving them a chance. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think, I think there, does, there has to be some inclusion. It has to be um, thought and thoughtful and measured and you have to weigh up, is it going to add value to it or is it going to hinder the point of it? And then in both situations, reviewing, reflecting and setting your next action plan is the key bit, I guess. Mm. I think sometimes asking the players for their preferences on how to do it uh, are massive. I remember mm. before last season it was, I had uh, an, um, a pr- uh, an opinion on how I thought the players might want slightly different to this but how they might want feedback or support on a match day yeah um, and I said like would you prefer me to to just let you let you play and then we'll have conversation in, in the intervals or whatever and, and quite a lot of the boys came back and said no if I've done something wrong tell me straight away so that I can fix it and be better straight away mm. and I just thought that they'd want to some of them be left to carry on Work playing it was like, yeah. yeah it was only it was only 20 minute intervals or whatever 420s so there was plenty of breaks between between um periods and i thought they'd want a little bit of time maybe sort of leaving alone on the pitch but the amount of them that come around and said no i'll do something wrong tell me i'm doing it wrong tell me how yeah. to fix it or yeah. and i'll do it straight away and you think well, I just, if i hadn't have involved them i'd have probably gone down the wrong path that wasn't as helpful for them yeah. Now I've got I've got to use my 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 experiences to know is it always right to just give them it? Yeah, you know what I mean. Because we don't want them to be robots who just do what they're told. It's, no. there might be times where I've got to leave them, but it was just an eye opener to me that thinking, well, I'm lucky. Luckily, I asked that question; otherwise, I'd have maybe gone down the wrong path quite a long way. So yeah, yeah. yeah there's there's loads of value in in talking to them, and I think I think they'll appreciate it, won't they? It shows you care and. Yeah, and you want them to do better, so yeah, hundred um, percent. Good stuff. If anyone uh, hasn't read it, go on our website and you can read the the blog there. It just uh, gives you a little bit of an insight on our thoughts, some of our thoughts on stretching and challenging your players. Um, <clears throat> another question. I, I said I'd ask this one. My good friend, Mister Lee James Hayes, and uh, <laughs> I, I, I I'd sort of teased this one earlier to you, Matt. So it'll be interesting. But um, and I'm not saying Lee. This is Lee's uh, personal opinion on how he likes to play football. I mean, his ability might say so, but as a coach, <laughs> I don't think it is. Um, no. He says, what are your thoughts on tactically giving away possession? Um, so what, what does he mean by that? I, I think 
I know Lee likes his rugby as well. Um, so like kicking for territory, is that something that that we see in football? Is it even a tactic? He, I think, I think he said he'd heard it somewhere and it just got his, his mind whizzing round. Um, so is it a thing? Do we think coaches do it at the, at any level or top level? And if so, are there any benefits to it or is it just boring, old-fashioned and should be eliminated from the game? What do you reckon, mate? Is, is he going to be in my team? Because that, that, will, <laughs> that will make me uh, answer differently. Oh, well, is it a thing? Well, yeah, it, it, probably is, it probably is a thing, although I, I'd probably pick up on the wording around giving the ball away on purpose. I'm not sure... I'm not sure teams would set up to give the ball away on purpose, but I think what they would do, uh, I'm assuming you're talking about teams maybe that don't favour a possession-style game. I would say it'd be more around percentages and areas to be hitting. So I don't think, I think ideally a team, if, if they were wanting to play, you know, a, a longer game, for example, you know, playing the ball as a territory, like you mentioned, I still think their plan or their principle would be to play off the nine to win the ball higher up the pitch. So I don't think they'd ever go, you know, I want to set up to give the ball away. But I think what they would say is I want to try and win the ball up here, higher up the pitch. And then if we do give it away, we're further away from goal or we're compact behind it or we're pressed up the pitch or whatever it is. So I I don't think... I don't think off the top of me that there'd be ever a time where I'd want to give the ball away. But mm. I can think of times where I would want to play a different type of game and perhaps maybe play, you know, longer passes into mm. certain areas to maybe turn, you know, to we, we've, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, doing a CPD event actually on uh, this week and it's about playing through the thirds. It's, it is relevant. It's, I'm coming back round, but it's about playing through the thirds, right? And a lot of the time, people think about playing through the thirds, and it's always about you know break off centre halves into the centre half, into the four, into the ten, or whatever. But actually, it if there's no space, it's very hard for you to play through the thirds. So actually, what you might need to do is turn the opposition a few times, and then after playing some balls over the back line. When the centre half gets the ball, the back line then may drop, the midfield may drop, expecting that long ball, and then suddenly there's space to play in that gap. So actually, there's there's some examples where actually you might be playing balls into certain areas to try and get the opposition to set up in a certain way to allow you to do something else. Yeah. But again, I still don't think it's playing those balls to give it away. It's ideally, I want my number nine or my winger or my 10 running in behind and getting on the ball. But if they can't, at least I'm getting further up the pitch. Yeah. And again, I can get but, compact behind it. That's what I was going to say. As, you, as you're talking there, I'm, I'm thinking, now, giving, tactically giving away possession would not be like a, in an ideal world, that would not be my a go-to tactic I'd like to use. However, like you said, I definitely think there's times in a game or or moments in some games where I would ask if I was playing at a results driven team of course mm-hmm. where I'd yeah. ask my team to do that so this weekend FA Cup isn't it if yeah. we are winning 1-0 in the FA Cup 
as an underdog against the team who are who have all the ball and we are camped on our 18-yard box. I do not in, want my four getting on the ball. Yeah, do you know what I'm serious? I mean, I'm saying like we are gonna I'm I'm this is not a pass. I'm gonna whack the ball as far <laughs> down the pitch as I can. I want it to stay in play so that one of their players has to run and get it. Meanwhile, we can it's pressure relief, isn't it? We can move mm. a little bit further from our goal. And it's so two questions, right? Firstly, is whack is that in your that's your in language? my coaching yeah. vocab? So any <laughs> okay. club that I take over, we're going to say whack. Yeah, um, so Gaffer knows what, what he means. Second question, that. though, but isn't isn't still your best case scenario is your winger getting on that ball? It's yeah. not like you're you're not kicking it to give them back the ball because that would be. That, that's you, all you're doing is inviting them back on again. But if we have, but you if might we have play two a really banks long of ball. five, if we have two banks of five, and everyone is 25 yards from my goal, there's no intention of my winger chasing it, and I don't want well, him to. I just want to get. I, we're in. We're into stoppage time now, Matt, and there's a okay, giant right. camp, So it's okay, like, yeah. In, yeah. Okay. Listen. So yeah, <laughs> stoppage time. One nil up. Underdog. Potentially. Potentially. <laughs> But still, I would I would here's avoid one there, here's the one word there. whack, and, <laughs> and ideally, I would want okay. to be playing okay, to listen, one of my players. Okay, I'll do some <laughs> reflection on my terminology. Uh, okay, but how about then? <clears throat> now this this is getting getting really um, probably picky in it, but you know, say when a ball gets fed down the channel and someone is chasing your winger, might be chasing it, and your centre half comes across. And the centre half puts the ball out for a throw in. Mm-hmm. Is that class? He's give, he knows it's not going to be their ball. He's put the ball out of play. So could that be give, giving the ball back to the opposition, but it's allowing us to regroup? So maybe okay. that's. An, think okay. about. It, I guess that could yeah. be. I'm only just spitballing now. So I'm the centre half. I'll, I'll go across because my fullback's been beaten. There's pressure coming. I'd come and just my first touch. I put the ball out of play into, into the stand or whatever, which allows for us to regain a, a sort of a shape where we're organised. That could yeah. be giving the ball. Potentially. I, yeah. I have no, on the centre-half, I, I know it's not going to be my ball once it goes out of play, but I'm purposely doing that so that no problems or no um, nothing comes of that ball if I try and play. Yeah. Do you know, you see that quite a lot, don't you? Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that could be, I guess thinking of the, the wording specifically, that is giving the ball away. You know it's not your ball, but it's it's for a reason. So perhaps yeah. that's one way it's, it's used. not so much tactically though. Well that would be just like situational, wasn't it? But yeah, well yeah, yeah. I think, I think yeah, you're still, no, you're still the, giving away possession yeah, you are, yeah. purpose to, to regroup. Um I think I think you're right. I think the context is key because because even when you're saying that I'm thinking, yeah, but I don't want my centre half to do that. But then if you're in the ninety fourth minute and you're the underdog winning 1-0, I probably would want the centre-half to do that. So, so you're right. I think the context is key. I think that's essential to understand. And there's probably, there's probably a, t- a time for everything, isn't there, in football? That's what I really like about it, is that, you know, there's, there's a million ways in which you can do it. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, so, so yeah, there probably is a, a way. Um, it's an but, interesting terminology, isn't it? I guess yeah. if we were... If we, I guess if we were... If, it, if Lee had termed it differently, it might sit more comfortably with us. You yeah. don't know, do you? It's, it's just maybe it's, we're it's, purists going, it's giving, no, you can't giving give the it ball away, away <laughs> is, is like, 
that's the bit that's not sitting well with me. Because even Maybe. even if even in your two banks of five, if you just lump it away, it is just another attack that is coming. So like all you've done is you've yeah. just, you just you just put it off down a little bit, a little bit, to get but a, they're a still coming. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, <clears throat> potentially, I guess. I guess I guess you could say you've decreased the risk. Perhaps if you're if well, you yeah, try, the, if you the, are the, the further right from back, goal. Yeah, so again, it might be like in in rugby <clears throat> territorial where you do try and kick beyond, yeah. move up the pitch. Hopefully yeah. that when you regain, you, you're in better field position. Yeah, well, you um, could see. I mean, you could see like a foot. It used to happen a lot. Probably not. Probably not as much anymore. But but you used to see it a lot. Like a, a fullback at a throw in would do that quite a lot. So they would throw in. You know, let's say you had a throw in maybe at the start of the middle third. The fullback would throw it really close to the line, down the line, hoping that it goes out of play and everyone moves up a little bit more. That wasn't that called, wasn't that called working the line? Working Work the, the line, line. <laughs> correct. Yeah. What you see now that could class as it is is in it's creeping into our Premier League as well now. But the the um, the traditional centre where it goes back to someone who traps it <laughs> and someone else who whacks it, Wax it forward yeah. towards <laughs> their players rushing forward. So again, could be... You uh, see, that's, that, that is a, another example of, of that happening. I have, I have seen that quite a, li- a few times where actually they have literally just kicked it out of play mm. and then everybody's got organised in behind it. So potentially that there might be moments in the game where you actually would want that to happen. Perhaps, yeah. Maybe, maybe Lee's just trying to make himself feel better that he spent a career of giving <laughs> the ball away, and he's trying to claim that it was to do with uh, tactical. some tactical knowledge from his coach at <laughs> Sunday League. But um, interesting discussion. We'll we'll give some more thought to that, and then um, if anyone if anyone else uses the term "whack it," please do let me know. Uh, <laughs> Uh, here's a question then about coach yep. education, and I'll, I'll put it to you as as you're um, in a in a coach development role. Um, where and how do you see coach education going? Uh, maybe in the next three to five years. Uh, I would say it probably could be delivered by robots. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I think I think probably I, I think. I think the COVID situation has probably opened the doors to many different ways of working. You know, I think people, people thought that you, you couldn't work remotely and then realised that actually you can be more effective working remotely than you can be going in. So I think, I probably think that there will be a lot more choice. There will be more remote online work and more bespoke to to the coaches i would probably say which is where coach ed sort of going anywhere where the coach educator comes into the club works with you in situ so understands your context yourself and your players um it's more specific to you so i think just like everything it's probably going to be more individualized to the point of it's about you and you in your context and working around your time you know, when you want to do it. I think that's how it'll probably go. Mm. I guess, we, I need guess. To, we need to get 
coaches back working with players in the flesh first, don't we? Before a lot of the yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, yeah definitely. I think um, I think on that one of the question that the second part from Lee on this is around pathway for the increasing number of grassroots B licensed coaches. One thing I was going to say about, I guess, coach ed we or coach education we think around um, FA delivered, so yeah. specific courses, but. I think yeah. the ed- the education of coaches or the education that coaches have done, I'd like to see that getting more, um, what's the word, more recognition. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, and one of the things that Lee touches on is that more and more coaches are gaining the B license, which is brilliant for the game. Yeah. And then it's how do if people do <clears throat> aspire to work at certain levels or in certain roles, how do you then? differ from others that have a similar qualification and I think doing the informal stuff or the stuff that's maybe not UEFA ratified mm-hmm. yes they're the most important I get that but I'd like to see coaches there's a lot of coaches and, and, and lockdown and COVID and all sorts has proven that there is so much out there and so much good stuff yeah. going on like yeah, yeah. this podcast but everything else <laughs> like uh, do you know what I mean? There's all sorts of coaching courses, mentoring, learning. There's so much out there. And I think yeah. I'd like to see that really going towards mm-hmm. the, the sort of, the, the, not necessarily the CV, but being recognised because yeah. coaching well, people are putting a, a lot of time and effort into that, aren't they? Yeah. As an FA licensed coach, you have to do a certain number of hours, don't you? A year, CPD. So that's one way in which that could be recognized where actually, you know, you, and I actually think that you can do this now where, you know, you almost like upload your learnings from something and that goes towards, you know, your CPD as a coach, but you, but I agree. I think, I think that sort of stuff, you know, I think the value in it is, is incredible and and being recognized, I think would be, would be brilliant. I also think the advanced youth award is, is, you know, the next, obviously it's the next logical step for people coming off the UA for B or finishing the UA for B or, you know, had it and implemented it into their work. But I, I think it would be very good because the advanced youth award is split off into blocks. You know, I think, I think it could go to a point where, you know, you choose a block, you know, you want to learn more about the site corner, you know, you, you do that block. If you want to learn more about physical conditioning or, you go and do that one. That that I think would be really good because the content on the on the AYA is is superb, you know. And I think making that more um, open to everybody would would be a real oh, a real benefit, particularly well, across across professional and grassroots. I think that would be superb. Yeah. So 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 like the the youth awards were previously, yeah. there was you yeah. could do you could do mod one. And then when you're ready, you could do mod two, and then you can mm. do mod three. I know they've been been joined with the the sort of the level one, two, and, and B license now, but maybe yeah, the same for the advanced youth award. So yeah, because there is, there is there is financial implications, isn't there? So yeah, there is. Yeah, a coach trying for for argument's sake, if it's three thousand pounds to 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 find that amount of money, if you're or for anyone, no matter what, if it's a hobby in, as well. That's yeah, a lot of money to find that. Whereas three thousand pounds over three to five years in your own time, mm-hmm. doing one module a year or one part of it a year might yeah. be more feasible for people, like you said, who 
who is just a hobby or an aspiration to, to get into. Yeah. I think that would yeah. be a great idea. I think the the youth award when it when it did come out and you were and you were running your youth module one and youth module two and youth module three I thought that was fantastic because mm-hmm. you could just like select it and pick and choose and you know some people wanted to go through it like an actual course and they would book on the next one and the next one and some like you say would do module one which was about the environment and that would just add value and they'd go away and it make them better for a bit and then you know when after they played around with it for you know, however long they might go, actually, I want the next bit now. Let's learn about practice design. And then they go and get the next one. So I think, I, I do think if they could do something like that, you know, that would, I think that would add some real value. Mm. Again, with however we, we sort of go about it, it's the, the most important thing is being able to embed it and, and get out there and do a bit, isn't it? Which is, yeah. which is frustrating for everyone at the minute because <clears throat> we're, we're flooded with knowledge and new learning and stuff and just can't use it at the minute, which yeah. is, but we'll get there, won't they? We'll get there. We will. We will. Um, <clears throat> uh, another question here, um, speaking of the current situation and, uh, and the lockdown and stuff, one of the questions we've had is around how is COVID, if, if COVID is, COVID is, how is it affecting academy players progression or any players progression in general? Um, Obviously, as we speak, nines to fifteens football has been put mm. on pause across the country. Yep. Uh, and the sixteens can train. Um, their games programme is paused unless they're involved with the older players. So naturally, every, with everything being on pause, there's 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 nothing happening physically, is there? Um, no. So I guess, well, we we could talk all day about the. The, the sort of psychological, mental health mm-hmm. challenges that everyone's under, especially young children. But yeah, I mean, what are you what are your thoughts on how it's affecting young players at the moment? Yeah. Listen, everybody's affected by it, aren't they? So, so is it affecting them? Yeah, of course, it, of course, it will be. Um, I think what what it what it has done, perhaps maybe for me, or, or I think maybe this is what we should be doing. I think. It, we've realised there's a bigger picture at play. So football is really important, but but like you said, kids kids are more important, and you know their welfare and mental health and mental well-being is more important. So actually, there's probably like a a bigger thing. So is their progression being impacted? Well, everything is being impacted at the moment. So so probably, but as long as they're okay, and you know everybody is you know, keeping in touch with each other and checking in on each other and offering things to engage them and keep them active and keep them interested, then I think, I think that's okay. And I think we can, we can pick up the football stuff when all this is, is passed and we, and we, you know, and we can get back to it. Mm. So is it impacting it? Probably. Should we be worrying about it? Probably not because mm. there's, there's bigger stuff, you know, at the moment. I think with, if they're not in school... I think they probably shouldn't be coming to football because I think we need to keep that. We need to, they need to understand that, that school is, is more important. We need to understand that there's a, you know, like a priority thing that education is, is really important and percentages of making a career in the game is slim. So you've got to make sure you nail your education. And I think if, if we were still in training, for example, and they weren't in school, I think that that finds it, you know, it, it tips it the wrong way. So I think, mm. I think it's probably the right thing. 
is it are they impacted by it? Yes. Should we be worried by it? I don't think so. I think they just need to make sure that that they're well, they're, they're staying positive, they've got positive things, you know, they've got support if they need it, and they've got interest in engaging activities to to take part in. And then I think probably it where perhaps it becomes an important question is maybe the older players. So 16s, 18s, 23s, you know, where actually it is then about career, you know, for example, you know, then, then I think you've got to just support them as much as you possibly can. It has impacted everybody. You know, I think if you look at kids across, and I say kids all the way up to like 20 across the board, you know, they will be impacted by what has happened over the past year, 18 months. So I think every, everyone will be impacted by it. But I think it probably that question is probably only relevant to maybe the older players who actually have got some real decisions that are coming up and we've got to support them as much as we possibly can. So, you know, I think um, it will impact them. But our job, as always, is to put the person first and try and do as much as we can yeah. for them. You know, it's, it's a tough time, isn't it, for everyone? I mean, what, what, yeah. what else can you do? You, you, you've got a framework that we've, we've been given and we've got to try and work within that framework as best as we can for the, for the kid. Yeah, I was going to say, do you think um, we will see the impact of the COVID restrictions in three, four, five years' time? Do you think maybe the lost time now um, we might see a dip in the level of player we're producing in four or five years and, you know, like then it will get back up or do you just think players are are quite, are quite good at adapting and will reach their level no matter what? Yeah, I think they're bouncy. I think they'll, they'll come back. I I think, I actually think you'll see the impact of, of lockdown immediately. I think you'll see it now. I think, you know, you look at, you know, 17-year-old kids, first years, you know, if they're first-year scholars or first year in college, you know, that is a group of kids who have had their school life leading towards a set of exams that were just pied um, in the first, you know, straight away. So they've had, you know, they've had five years of working towards something that was cancelled overnight so I think I think that will have impacted them immediately and then (laughs) I'm looking at our like first year scholars and you know they would normally be in for full days and we're we're doing education remotely you know that's a weird thing in itself you know so you travel into train you travel home to do your schoolwork you're doing it over a computer you're straight away a lot more self-discipline required isn't it exactly yeah exactly so I think I think you'll see the impact straight away um but I think people are very good at adapting, aren't they? And I think the the people that can adapt the quickest and, and the most effective will will make the most out of this sort of situation. You know, some some kids as adults will probably need a little bit more time to adapt to it. But but um, I think as long as particularly like if you look younger age, I just repeat that you know the nines to fifteens, for example, who are on pause at the moment. I think as long as everybody is just well and their family are well and we're offering as much support and activity or engagement as possible, I think I think it's okay. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, it's challenging. I've got a few questions from, uh, from John Bitten here and 
some great questions. Unfortunately, we won't have time to do them all, JB. Sorry, mate. One of the one of the ones that he asked is how, and it links to what we've just been talking about. How how are we both feeling mentally at the moment with everything that's going on? Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? I mean, it, in the first lockdown, it, the weather was tremendous. Um, we were we were all off. So even though the, the kids were learning from home. Um, I was working from home a lot. Um, it was it was easier to manage, and the weather was nice. So it was almost like you know you you have you work really hard, and then you, the reward is you get out into the sun, and we'll play, and we'll do this, and we'll do that. It's quite difficult to have that reward when it's hammering down with rain. And we had a, we did have a little bit of snow here, uh, but but not much. But it. Yeah, I think I think I definitely think this is different to the first one, probably just because of the weather more than anything. Um, but um, I found this one a bit more frustrating than the first one, I would say. What about you? Yeah, yeah. yeah well, you, well, you'll be slightly different with you with now with Phoebe. Do you feel are you actually more appreciative this time round? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's funny that it's a diff- it's a really difficult one because I'm. Um, we are still working. We are still working, but obviously working from home and being at home, being around Phoebe now, she's 10 weeks old. It's like, mm. it's, it's added time that I get to be around her. The, yeah. the difficulty is I need, need a routine. So like I need mm. respect some of the other boys at work around having purpose to your day. Now, yeah, she is my purpose, isn't she? But I mean, when you wake up, and you just think, well, what's on today? And it's like, yeah, that that is hard. That's really yeah. hard. So it's like, even I've been <clears throat> now going out, like I've set up a heater in the garage and like a yeah. chair and stuff, but going to the garage and like right between this time and this time, I'm, I'm, I'm sat in the garage working. So, and just trying to change scenery, change yeah. like yeah. trying to, uh, limit some distractions so that I can work but it's again I'm <clears throat> I'm in a fortunate position in the sense that say I've got a 10 week old girl so it's kind of exciting to be around I'm seeing and watching her a lot more than I guess I, I would have if, if we were yeah. still at work so it is yeah. I feel a little bit <clears throat> selfish saying things like that because I know a lot of people are in a lot of a worse place don't get me wrong mm. it's, there's still challenges isn't there but yeah um yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm grateful of this this extra time at home, being around her and, and watching her, and being able to help my wife because it's not easy. Mm. But at the same time, it's like I've now the first lockdown especially made me realise that I need I need routine. something. Need not not necessarily even routine as such, but I need something to do with my days. Like I'm not someone to just sit down. Like I like sitting down and doing nothing, but I like having achieved other stuff as well even if that's yeah. go and do a food shop or something silly like that it's yeah i've gone and got a few little things ticked off and i think yeah. the days when you have something like that and you get that those few ticks i feel better sitting down of an evening doing, doing nothing or yeah, yeah if i sit yeah. down and do nothing all day it's just even like a little bit of exercise just get out get a little bit of exercise done i feel like even if i eat as much chocolate as I want the rest of the day, it doesn't bug me as much because I know I've been and done a little bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if I just wake up and eat the chocolate, I'm like, 
<laughs> it's a horrible day, but no, it's, I'm, yeah. I'm doing, I am doing well. I am doing well. So it's, um, it's different, it's different though, isn't it? This it is, um, it's strange. It's just, a, it just feels a bit strange, doesn't it? I think that's, that's probably what, um, what I probably didn't describe. It just feels a bit strange. You know what's it just difficult, doesn't though? quite do you know what's feel difficult? right. Yeah. Do you know what? It's, I find it really hard because, and I'm very, very fortunate in this sense that nobody close to me or relatively close to me, touch wood, has, has suffered or, or yeah. had, had coronavirus. Um, yeah. So I'm very much aware of it. I know it's out and about there and I sort of heard of people that I vaguely know of or mm-hmm. some friends have had it or whatever. But in terms of my real close circle and my day-to-day interactions with close family, we've been very fortunate that we've not had it. So it's kind of like, it's like, well, we're doing this, but it, it, all this, you know, no, it's, it's really important, but it's kind of like you almost forget the severity of this. And, and that's yeah. when it starts to think, oh, why, why can't we just, it's, it's, <clears throat> Yeah. That's hard, but I don't. I'm not trying to say like I wish someone I knew had it, and then it made me <laughs> realise. But that's that's hard because it's just it's still just this thing that is is widely talked around, and it, and we all know it's it's there. But I've not yeah. had first hand experience of it, which I'm grateful of. But that just kind of plays plays on your mindset, doesn't it? Around because yeah. because my life hasn't. It sounds really bad. Yeah. My life hasn't changed a great deal in the sense that. I had to I had like. to self isolate um, not last week the week before perhaps yeah the week before um, and that that was so that was the first time I'd had to self isolate since all of this yeah. came out which which in itself is a, is a pretty good achievement I don't, I don't know if achievement's the right word but it's <laughs> it's pretty good going and I think that's that was like the first time where I thought oh oh like I could. I could be ill now and people mm. I know could be ill. And, you know, it, it actually like, you know, like I had I probably in the first lockdown, you have that sort of fear, don't you, about it. You think, oh, my God, it's all new. What's going on? And then it, it, it did. It's just sort of like it just sort of tailed off. You know, you, you're sort of not anxiety to it, but your thoughts about it and you worry about it because you'd learn to like live and adapt and do what you need to do. And then. When, when I was told you had to self-isolate, it was like, oh, oh, like, oh, it's, oh, God, you know, like, it's real. Yeah, like, yeah. It's, it's almost like that kick up the, the arse again to say, oh, you know, like, you know, don't, don't Remember slack me. off. Yeah, don't slack off <laughs> yeah. with what you're doing, you know. Don't make sure you're still doing this properly and doing that properly because, you know, you don't want to be bringing stuff home. You know, I think that's the, that's the thing. When I've got, you know, the, the people at home here, they're working from home and I'm having, I'm going out to work and coming back. Yeah, you know, yeah. It just made me realize, you know, like you just got to do it properly, uh, you know, make sure you don't bring anything home really. So I think, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's weird. It is a weird time. It's, um, it's different, you know, like it was my mum's birthday on Saturday and we, we had a, you know, I had to see her from a doorway, you know, you couldn't give her a hug and, I put a present down on the floor and then walked away. It's, you know, that's, <laughs> that's weird, isn't it? You know? I did that the other day. I had to yeah. get, pick something up at the shop for my auntie and I left on the door and when she opened the door, I just yeah. shouted delivery and ran off. <laughs> yeah, I felt like uh, Amazon Isn't Prime that weird, delivery. by the way? Isn't that weird? No, you get deliveries and you open your door and they've, they just drove off and it's like a package on your doorstep. Yeah, or, no or one they there. take pictures as well. Of like, and you end up getting in the picture, you know, like picking up your parcel. <laughs> 
but but yeah, listen, it's it's weird, but but like like you said, I'm I'm very fortunate, aren't we? You know, we're in a fortunate position, and yeah. you know, I I feel for I feel for people who who are sort of struggling at the time, and and, and people working in the NHS. You know, I mean, it's it's, it's yeah. a bloody really tough time, isn't it? So so listen, this sort of stuff is a is is relief, isn't it? It's, it's, we're really lucky to be sitting and chatting about this sort of stuff. Yeah, you know, then that's and that's yeah. what I said in the, going back to the question before that there's bigger stuff at play. So as long yeah. as they're okay, the players are okay and they're well and they're happy, the rest of it we can pick up, you know, when it's safe to pick up. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I agree. Good stuff, mate. I think I think that's um there's a couple of other questions, but we'll we'll, we'll jump into them next time because we've we've been going for an hour. Um what's uh, what's the week ahead got for you, mate? Anything? No, we've got a couple of games this week. So um Couple of games, and uh, that's it really. Yeah, midweek game and a Saturday game. Almost, almost some normality. Yeah, uh, nice. Yeah. What about yourself? Zooms. Uh, yeah, yeah. Zooms. We did one this morning actually. It was was excellent. I, I mean, I know it's hard doing zooms, but we um, we asked some of the boys to to lead and demonstrate, and they're they're incredible. Like not like not just their their ability. But like the thought they put into these moves or combinations they were working, yeah. and then we asked them to to coach or talk the the move through the others, and that blew me away. Like they put me to shame. Any of my things I tried to do in the previous lockdown. So yeah, that was excellent. And we got a couple more mm. this week around sort of some physical work and just trying to offer different things. We've made things optional this time for boys because yeah, because there's so much going on, and I think now the boys are at. So at school on Zoom, four days again. A I lot. think maybe the, the yeah. first lockdown it wasn't quite this severe, was it? Because no, was it summer holidays and schools were tailing <clears throat> off? But now it's like business season still at school. The boys, a lot of the boys are on from nine till three, like a full day. So to put yeah. even more on them and and force them to be there is, is difficult. So we'll be doing that. I've been watching a lot of Dog the Bounty Hunter recently. That's been my... Oh, uh, I used to love that programme. Yeah, so basically, uh, we got a new TV a while ago, some some TV, and it's got, like, built-in channels. Not free. I don't know what they are, but one day, it was just on. <laughs> and there's a channel that shows Dog the Bounty Hunter 24-7. So I've lost a couple of days to that, which has been brilliant. <laughs> Um, well, if you're going to so, lose time to a program, that is not a bad one to lose. It too. It's fascinating. The one bit, Aloha. brilliant. The other day, he was chasing down a fugitive, went into his house, and the fugitive was watching Dog the Bounty Hunter on telly. <laughs> I just thought that was brilliant. Uh, so I watched that. I watched the Chiefs game tonight. They'll get to the playoff final, the, the Super Bowl, and then win that yeah. again. So that's all good. Um, is that next weekend? Uh, weekend no, so I think after. It'll be the weekend after. I think next week's they do the Pro Bowl thing, don't they? Oh, yeah, the, yeah. The skill school or whatever they do. But Tom Brady's currently beating Aaron Rodgers 14-10. So that's, we'll see how that <laughs> pans out. Um, but yeah, other than that, mate, um, much of the same. And trying to, to baby read a few well? Books and, yeah, she's doing brilliant. Mate. She's growing loads. She's long. Yeah. She's like she's making more and more noise. Like she's a lot more responsive and giggly and squealy yeah. and stuff like that, which is which is good. good. So enjoyable, mate. Very enjoyable. Happy days. Um, that's it, really. I guess, isn't it? So 
like I said earlier, if if any of you guys want to go and check out that blog post on the challenges or any of the others, there's, there's quite a few on the website. Um, head over to minervacoachdevelopment.co.uk in the article section. Matt's got a load on there that he wrote. There's a few on there that I've wrote. Various topics. Um, we appreciate those guys who have sent in some questions, whether it's about coach education, giving away the ball, or just asking how we are. It's very much appreciated. Um, I guess all that's left to say is stay safe. Go and get on iTunes. Give us a a rating and a review and subscribe if you don't already. Matt, have a great week, mate. Look after yourself. Likewise, mate. Stay safe. See you soon. Take care. If you are a scout or coach looking to find or help players, then Pitch is the website for you. It's a startup, but the idea is to complement the scout's role in finding talent, especially in lower leagues. Pitch is likely to arrange trial days in the future, so a scout might be very interested to make a profile. For a coach, it's about the onward development and mental health of released players, helping them find a team or club and provide a talent ID and development reference on pitch. So make a profile today at www.pitchrmt.com. Thank you.